Hey, this is Shamina. This is a Two Quick Things podcast. Uh, welcome back. And as per usual, I'm going to jump right in it. So I'm in a Facebook group, and I won't say the name of the group because nobody needs to know all that, but there was a conversation. There's tons of conversations going on constantly around how do I leave um, a certain field? Um, and this one, is, I'll say the field is student affairs, higher education, um, but I'm not going to say the name of the group because, again, you don't need to know all that. And the conversation is around, like, how do I leave? I'm not getting what, the things that I want when I'm looking. And so I figured as a person, and I rarely chime in on Facebook groups, and I rarely chime in, period, like, on online stuff. Um, but I was like, you know what? I got out, and I'm, I got out like I was in prison. But, like, I transitioned out of student affairs, higher education, um, into doing a role in a field that I wanted to be in and I worked intentionally to get there. And so I was like, I can talk about how I made the transition. Um, if anybody's interested and people said they were interested. So I said, okay, let me prepare some notes and record some stuff that I hope will be helpful. Not everybody's going to like everything that I have to say, and that's okay. Um, if you're listening now, I already got the listen. So there's that. But I think this, a lot of this can apply um, across any field, if you're looking to make a transition out of a specific job or from one industry to another, or even if you're in an organization and you're like, I want to be in that department over there and not the one that I'm in, I think these will be applicable across the board. There are some leanings, you'll hear some, some higher ed talk, but I think it generally should be uh, useful for folks. If not, then let me know what, what else you want to hear and I will see what I can do to chime in on that. So I kind of have this broken down into three sections, your resume, your mindset, and then uh, taking a chance on yourself, because I think those are all crucial pieces. And to be honest, part of the least crucial, in my opinion, is the resume. I think lots of people will say that, but if you don't have your mindset and your willingness to take a chance on yourself and see what is beyond right in front of you, I think you're going to be stalled. You're going to have this thing on paper and not be able to back up the other things that make you a person. So I'll start off with my kind of opening thought is I think we as human beings and the workforce we always think that our next job has to be the best job ever. And really your next job is, is your next job. It's not likely your last job. Um, if you're still out in the, like if you're primed in the working like age range of people who aren't able to retire yet, it's going to be your next job. It's not going to be your last job. So I guess my opening thought is try to ease the pressure that you put on yourself of getting the next move perfectly. Um, you might like it. You might love it. You might be like, this isn't it. Um, and remember, in all of this, you have a choice. You always have a choice. It may not seem like you have a choice. Maybe the choice is something bad and something worse, but there's still a choice. Um, but I think we can easily rack our minds with trying to get the next move perfect or the next move has to be the right move because the when I leave this organization or this company or this institution, people are going to be looking at me. First of all, likely none of those people are paying your legitimate bills and you have to be in charge of what you want to do as you move forward. But let me get into this resume thing. Okay, so... If you're, especially if you're trying to raise or uh, change industries, or if, let's use student affairs or higher education, your student affairs resume, it ain't going to do it. So if you're using, and I think most people get that by now, it's, it's not going to work. If you just try to like put this and overlay it into this industry or this type of work, it's not going to work. 
um, high key, you need to save and invest. I would recommend saving and investing in somebody who's going to help you rewrite your resume. I know it's great to be like, I'm going to use this free resource here. People are going to give you their opinion and they are, obviously folks are going to be as helpful as they can, but invest in yourself and pay for somebody to help you get it right. Um, the two that I know, and it's the two that I know, they're not the only ones, but Caffeinated Kyle, um, and I'll shout them out in the notes um, section so that you can reach out. And then Jen Fry uh, resumes, I think. Now, I don't know Jen Fry. I've heard that she's done great work. I've listened to some of her Facebook lives, so shout out to her. Um, and then Kyle, I have worked with before. Um, he was one of my students and now is a friend of mine. So, and I know that he does excellent work as well. Um, a few tips around the resume. Look at the actual job description and use um, exact words that translate from your experience. So if you see specific words in there, and this shouldn't be rocket science, people talk about the applicant tracking system, ATS. Um, some companies and organizations do that. If they're, if they're really large and they're complex organizations, they will use an applicant tracking system. Some don't, so be mindful of that, but you can use the exact words and that's going to increase the likelihood that your resume is going to get screened in and moved beyond the, the at least the initial paper screen. Another thing about your resume, here's an example of some translatable words. So um, nobody cares that you supervise RAs. Nobody knows what an RA is unless you work on a college campus. And even some people don't, don't know what that is. Um, another way to say that is that you supervise, I, I said on my resume, you supervise entry-level part-time staff. It's the, it's the exact same thing, but it is, it tells you that you know how to supervise. You worked with entry level. So typically younger folks and you worked with part time, part time seasonal or transitional staff, or maybe if you want to get fancy, like 0.5 FTE full-time equivalent, um, that's probably a little bit fancier, but you've got to be willing to like translate those words into words that whatever industry is going to understand. Again, not overlaying your student affairs resume onto, you know, any job USA, that's just not going to work. Um, when you are trying to get out of student affairs or, and I, again, I'm going to use a lot of student affairs examples because that's where this has come from. You've served customers. You've served clients. You have not served students or parents. Those are customers or clients. They are not, you are not doing this work for free. So remember that you serve customers or clients. Um, and you've got to be able to translate and use that language. You have to speak in a way that is, speak in terms of your resume, that is universal. Nobody cares that you worked with parents and students. They are customers and they are clients. Um, look at the actual job, the actual job description and consider if you, if you really want the, to do the job, cause there are lots of fancy titles out here, um, lots of sexy companies and whatnot. And when you look at the job, you're like, I cannot imagine doing that day in, day out for, you know, five minutes, let alone, you know, a year, six months, a year, two years, three years. So actually look at the job. I think it's easy to be wooed by the Googles, the tech companies, Facebook jobs. Um, those jobs are not going to fall in your lap. And the larger the organization that you become in, the more of a specialist that you actually become. So think about that when you're looking. So if a job in a large, complex organization says that you are, um, a lot of people seem to want to go into HR, um, you are a recruiter. That is what you're doing day in, day out. That means you're not dabbling into employee relations. You're not dabbling into training and development. You are 
doing recruiting 100% of the time. So think about if you want to be a specialist and work in somewhere large, or do you want to be in a space where you're going to learn and kind of get the breadth of experience as opposed to the depth of experience. So the breadth of experience where you're going to be somewhere perhaps a little bit smaller and be more of a generalist. And if you want to be like, go to the depth of experience, a large complex organization where there's maybe there's lots of people doing with one same title, um, or the job looks really specific. They may have doused it up to look fancy, but it's really specific. Think about what you want in those roles as your next role. Again, it's not going to be your last one, but your next role. And what is what in that job is going to catapult you towards the next role? So you should really be thinking several steps ahead of what am I going to do next that's going to set me up for the next thing? And you don't even have to know exactly what the next thing is, but you should have some sense in your mind like, okay, I think this might help me with this particular skill set. Um, it may, it may, and it may not, but I think that's something certainly to think about as you're looking at these positions and high key, that's the most I'm going to say about resumes. Again, there's no sense in racking your brain to try to get it right. Because if you're like me, you can spend hours, days, weeks, months trying to figure out what's the exact formula for that. Invest in yourself and pay somebody to help you and they will help you beyond the resume. So they will help you probably with the physical words and try to figure that, but they're going to help you kind of zone down and figure out what do you actually want. Make the investment in yourself. Stop being cheap. I'm going to say that that somebody won't like that um, because I used to have a student affairs salary. And so what I, I know what it means to make, you know, $28,000. I'm not even going to say what year I was making that in, but $28,000 for, and that was the whole year. Um, and so I know what that means. Save up, make the investment in yourself. You are worth it. What I really want to focus in on, and I think for me, this was the turning point in actually getting out, was the mindset and taking a chance on myself. And I realized that I was, I was searching passively. So I was putting myself on websites or applying like either through like an Indeed. Um, people get jobs off Indeed.com. It's a real thing. I got mine off of there. Um, they go to the, I was going to the company website and I was just hoping for a response. I am an introvert by nature, which is probably why I did this podcast by myself. Cause I'm in a room by myself. Um, but you've got to start to get out, go to professional association websites, do the webinars, ask questions during the webinars. That's kind of a low, uh, low maintenance thing, especially if you can find a free one. There are Facebook groups that you can join and be a part of and comment and people will start to see that become more active on LinkedIn, volunteer at conferences in the industry that you want to be in. I will say I volunteered for two years. Um, for a conference that is in the Bay Area that is specific to HR. And I started to see the same people. So when I went back that second year, people were like, oh, I remember you from last year. You were helpful. Or I remember you asked this in a session. A lot of those conferences, not all, but a lot of them will let you volunteer. And then the time that you're not volunteering, you can go to sessions um, for free. So it's not an added cost to you. You're giving to an industry that you want to be a part of, but then you also get to gain by some of the networking that happens. And I always chose to work registration. So I'm seeing people at their first and hopefully giving them a first impression. So I'm, I'm getting them at the start of their experience. Um, so that's one way to start to put yourself out there. Utilize your networks. Um, and I don't say, I mean this as in not calling up like a mentor, whatever that means for you and saying, hey, I need a job. But 
I know I was pushed to like write an email and I, I chose to BCC all the people on the list of friends, colleagues, former classmates to sh- asking them to share um, job opportunities with me. I let them know that I was confidentially searching. So please don't put this like on my LinkedIn and be like, hey, Shamina, look at this job. Um, but generally to let them know that I'm searching and what I'm looking for, I gave them a copy of my resume so they can fold it around if they, they had the ability to. But I think sometimes we get in our own way because we want to be so secretive about our job search. Nobody knows that we're looking. And there's a hump beyond that. It would it is foolish, in my opinion, for people to think that I'm that someone would stay in a job forever. Um, it's probably time for you to go if you are in a place where they're like so surprised that you would be job searching after any amount of time, to be honest. Um, and that's probably that's a good marker like, oh, they thought I was going to be here forever. This is probably not the place for me because they're not paying attention to my needs and maybe the, the points that I'm struggling because um, some of those might be a little bit more obvious. But utilize your network. Send those messages out. Um, you have people in your life that are not all in the same industry. Utilize that. Reach out. People can't help you if you don't know if they don't know that you are looking. But it, again, you have to be smart about this. Use people that you actually know that you like and hopefully they like you um, because those are the folks that are going to be looking at out for you and in your corner. Um, I was thinking back on it as I was writing these notes on a flight back to the Bay. And I was like, I totally, I was like, I got my job off of LinkedIn or not LinkedIn, um, Indeed. And then I was like, I applied on Indeed. And then I realized I had a hookup that knew somebody on the board of where I now work. I didn't even make the connection, but once I put out, I sent that BCC email to everybody, my mentor being one of them. And then she was like, oh my gosh, I totally know somebody. Have you looked at this job? And I was like, oh my gosh, I have. I didn't know that you knew anybody there because I didn't see any connections on LinkedIn. So utilize that type of network. Um, But nobody's going to be able to help you if you don't let people know that you need help. Um... Look at nonprofits, smaller companies, take a deep dive and actually look at people's values um, and see if that's actually a place that you want to work. Again, the sexy big companies or organizations, the Googles, the tech companies that give you like goldfish in the, the conference room and, you know, boba tea on Thursday, you can get those things for yourself. And you're, if you continue to eat all of those things that they give you at the very beginning, your waistline is, waistline is going to expand. So look at some of those places. I say nonprofit because that's how I, I've kind of found my, my way in as more of a generalist. So I do a lot of different things in the realm of HR, but I know I need to get those that are outside of higher ed student affairs to be able to set myself up for the next thing. So I'm already thinking when I got this, okay, like, what am I looking for? What do I need to gain from this experience? And what do I need to be exposed to and really capitalize on so that it's ready to catapult me whenever I get ready to make the next move? Um, Let's see. I think mindset is also knowing when and how to turn off the noise of other people's judgment and what they think that you should be doing or how you should search or what you should look for. All of these shoulds that are really none of your business, but it's other people overlaying what they think and what their barriers have been. Because usually when people are giving that, it's all the things that they didn't do that they wish they had done. Like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Or you may not want to look at that. Oh, they had this one bad review on Glassdoor, but you're not, you've got to learn to turn that off. 
um, or turn it down so much that you can then turn up the volume on what you need, what you want, and actually begin to move in the direction of your purpose and what you actually want to be doing, or at least want to try. Because some jobs you will get in, you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. And that's what you were supposed to learn from that experience. Um, let's see another thing about mindset. So this is the part where people may not like, and that's fine. You don't have to like it. Um, women, you do not have to, and I, I know we read this places. You do not have, have all of the qualifications on a job to apply for the job. I say this with the caveat that historically from what I know and what I am aware of in my perv in, in my world, white men do this all the time. They 100% apply for jobs that they have 5% of the qualifications. Um, and I know somebody will come, will try to slide in my DMs and comment and say, but like, not all white men. I'm not hearing that. I'm saying as a general, general rule, that's what I know to be true from my experience. And so you can't, you're not going to fight me on my experience. Um, but women, female identified folks, um, marginalized communities, you do not have to have all of the qualifications. But what you do have to be able to do is talk about the skills that you have and how they meet those qualifications on there, even if you haven't done the exact job. So like, again, um, this is a, a tad bit uh, zoom back to the resume piece. You didn't work with RAs. You worked with part-time. Maybe you worked with seasonal. You supervised entry-level staff. That's what you did. But you have to be willing to, to flip your mind and think about that. Because I remember when I was getting ready and I was working with someone to write my resume, I was like, well, I don't want to tell a lie on my resume. And I'm like, people are lying all the time on resumes. Um, it's only a lie if you can't actually back it up with the experience, in my opinion. So that's how I saw that. And when I started, when I got over that, that mental hurdle, that mindset, I was like, I was getting interviews and people were wanting to talk to me because I had found like the words to translate, like, I didn't do this exact line that you have, but I did this that was real close and I can translate it and talk to you about that when you give me a chance on the phone. I think the other thing that, especially when you're switching careers, I found that it was really helpful to have a cover letter because I could fill in some of the blanks of things that I thought that they might ask when they looked at my resume. So yes, I wrote the resume is, you know, has all of the words that will go through the applicant tracking system, but then I told my story and not a super long form on the cover letter. And I post, I put my cover letter in front of my resume, which I think most people do, but I could tell my story in a different way. And I could talk about the transition and the transferable skills that I have that didn't maybe exactly fit on my resume or were hard to understand. Excuse me. I could translate those into the cover letter and weave that into a story of my experience. Um, and some of it's going that extra step and some people won't read the res the cover letter. That's fine. Um, it helps you then also start to develop a little bit of an elevator pitch. So when you have that time at a volunteer, you're volunteering at a conference and people are chatting with you about what do you do? Like, how did you get into volunteering? You can you you have something in your back pocket that you can then start to talk about. The, the final section I'm going to talk about is taking a chance on yourself. There is no specific role or industry that fits what student affairs folks and higher ed folks do. A lot of us, I believe, tend to lean towards HR or project management because it seems natural. Um, and it seems like we've been doing those things. Um, and they coincide with the skill set that we have developed over time, either by training or being, by thro being thrown in the fire, so to speak, and having to learn it. But really... If you have managed to stay in student affairs any number of months or years, you can do damn near anything. 
It's how you choose to communicate that to other people. Mm -hmm. There's no like perfect field. If you want to try it, you can try it. You somehow made it into student affairs. And like most of us uh, that are, you know, have like a decade plus of experience, likely you fell into student affairs and you were like, oh, all of us at network, like y'all, this is my thought when I graduated. Oh, y'all get paid to like help us figure this, this simple shit out. Um, that was literally the thought that I have. And then I spent 15 years doing it after getting a master's degree. Um, but you can do anything. You can translate that into customer success. If you are good with the tech stuff, maybe you're on the end of like client services where you're teaching people how to use software. So work to think how to let go of the barrier that you're putting in front of yourself that I can only do these things because I worked in this field. Um, and this goes for, I think there was a, a question around like, what about people who haven't worked in student affairs, who haven't worked, or not student affairs, student activities, or who haven't worked in um, like res life, which they're kind of like the catch-all buckets. They, they tend to be bigger departments and have more people. And lots of people get their start in those areas, primarily in uh, residential life, because that's where most people, that's where most of the jobs are. And again, that is, I think it's imperative to think through the, um, let me see if I can actually find the question. It's imperative to think through, like, what is the barrier that you're putting in front of yourself um, as it relates to what you can and cannot do? Um, everyone is going to have direct transferable skills. You just have to figure out how to say it and outside of the academic world. So we're all, I think we're all struggling with or, or have struggled with like, how do I say this in not like an academic way? Cause that's not how most of the world sees and thinks. Like, it's great that you have a master's degree. Like I love my master's degree. It's certainly on my business card, but nobody really cares. And nobody understands if I speak in a, a manner that is really theoretical and really heady. They wanna know, can I do the job? And do I know how to talk about my ability to do the job? And that you're going to get that across any uh, functional area in student affairs. You just have your job is to figure out how to tell people what you do. Maybe you work in career services. You probably have put on career fairs, so you know how to plan programs. You have counseled and advised students, which is a lot of what happens in residential life. Um, uh, many crises. Residential life is, has its own crisis. Uh, here's could be a crisis in career services. You know, students come in at the very last minute and they're trying to figure out, like, I need a job. I'm going to graduate next month. Knowing damn well they didn't wait. So, like, you're putting in, the, putting in the extra time to work with the student and to counsel them through. Have you ever had somebody show up late or not know how to figure out how to get to the career fair? And then you're trying to figure out, like, I'm, I'm trying to run this event and I'm trying to manage getting this person in. My volunteer didn't show up for this. You know how to manage those things. I think it's easy to do the like, well, everybody does this and I'm so different. You're not that different. Maybe you haven't connected into how to explain your skill set, but you can do any of those things. I can guarantee you anybody who has gone into an RA position and then become like a hall director or you just like were all of a sudden a hall director out of nowhere and you had never been an RA, you're going to figure it out something in them hired you because you brought something different to the table, but it's your job to figure out what are those things. And let me stop saying it. And this like, I'm on a level 10 and because I have a master's degree, because we do that. Like we're most of us are education snobs. Let's just say it. Like I have a master's degree. I can't do this. Yes, you can. And you will, if you want to pay bills and do those things. So I think part of it is getting over ourselves and remembering like it's, 
I, I know how to talk. I know how to speak. I can explain this. And it's about making sure that what I'm saying is accessible to other people so that they can see me in that role. Um, uh, this is a mindset slash take your, take a chance on yourself. Um, you can negotiate, you can ask for more. Um, I think one of the preceding questions to this was like, I want to make X more than X amount of dollars. Sis, you can, you certainly can make more than, I think it was like 60 K was like the question. I'm like, you can, I mean, some of that is, uh, I think what I commented was that some of it was, um, some of it's based on location. So the cost of living looks different in California. Like that's not a, that's not a very difficult number to reach generally in my experience, but you can negotiate. You can always ask for more, even if they're like, well, we don't have any, like, this is the salary, like go on through the process. If you feel connected to that position, go on through the process and then ask at the end. I, I've been thinking about doing, cause I used to do salary negotiation workshops and I've negotiated for the last X amount of years and positions that I've had. And it's always worked. Um, and it, if it didn't work that first time, like it was six months in, let's review this because this is what I'm interested in, like being at or being having access to, because it's not always money. Sometimes it was professional development funds for me. Sometimes it was like, I wanted to be able to go to this conference or I needed this time specific time off, or I want access to this level of conversation and leadership at this point in my time in this role. But Always negotiate. Always, always ask for more. Because let me tell you this: another unpopular opinion by some people: white men will ask for more. They certainly will, even if they don't. And they know damn well they're not good. They're not good in that role, um, and they shouldn't be asking for it. But they will ask. Somebody not gonna like that. That's fine. This ain't for everybody. Um, but always negotiate. You, if you're not sure what to say or how to do that, slide in my DMs because I have certainly a few phrases I can, I can talk through. And I have negotiated. I spent 15 years in higher education. And you best believe at least the last eight of those, I negotiated every position. And everyone, they met me. If they didn't meet my exact number, they met me closer than, you know, that original number that they gave me. You can always do that. And people, even when, again, even when folks say like, this is a state, you know, this is a, a state institution or a state organization, like this is the top of the budget. You can be like, okay, your job is to make them fall in love with you and make them realize that they cannot do this work without you. And then you ask for more money every time, even if they are like, no, for real, this is it. You're like, okay. Cause you're not making a commitment to anything at, at that point. And I think that's another thing. We will sometimes not apply for jobs because we've already ridden ourselves out. We don't have the, we, we don't see that we have like a hundred, like 80 to hundred percent of the qualifications. We're like, well, I wouldn't, I'm not going to get that job. You writing yourself off before they've had a chance to love you or like you, whatever, however you want to say it. But we got to stop doing this, like stop counting ourselves out of positions we haven't even applied for. We're like, well, I couldn't be able to do that commute. You didn't even, you don't have the interview yet, sis. You don't know what commute you can do for, for what kind of money. So we've got to start getting out of our own way and taking the chance on ourselves as, instead of writing ourselves off at the beginning and cutting off, you know, like I'm not going to be able to do this. I have never commuted before. I commute now. After, of course, I negotiated for this role, I was like, ooh, I don't think I want to commute. I want, to, I want it to be like 10 minutes. My commute is not attractive, but I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I make, you know, some solid funds. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So there's a lot of things you can do. And am I going to be doing this job forever? No. 
but it's, it's a job that's working for me right now. And I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing in it. I'm even with the challenging parts where I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, what did I get myself into? I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm being stretched. Certainly. Um, that was a bit of a rant. So thanks for listening. And this is a long episode, so I'll try to wrap it up. Um, the last point I will say is, um, and I learned this from working with someone, be who you are. I think we can easily write the cover letter, the resume, um, and not show up as ourselves in that. And then when you get to a job, they treat you like the candidate that you interviewed were, and you're another person when you actually show up. Um, after the interview, you've got it all and you get there and they're like, who is this that we hired? That's because you, you lied. You weren't authentically yourself and authentic authenticity is a whole different conversation, which I think I've touched on before, but you came in like all prim proper and using like your, your professional voice. You don't talk like that every day. I went into my, I, I think I mentioned this in another episode. I went into my interview and I was like, I am a black, queer, masculine presenting woman who is married to a woman. That's important for me to share with you because I need you to know how I'm going to show up. So it may not look like the, I don't know who the last person was, but like I had to make sure that I was clear because I wanted to be able to show up. And even now I still have to remind folks. I'm like, remember in my interview and I said I wasn't going to be doing that. Yeah, that's still true. And I, there's a certain way that I, that I communicate with folks. So it looks a little different for me, but Leave nothing on the table during your process. Dive all in. You're worth it. I think we sometimes get scared because I'm like, I don't want to give my all. And then like, then like it doesn't happen. You're not going to get every job that you apply for. You're not. You're not going to get every resume or every, uh, every interview that you apply for the position. But what happens over time is you build confidence because you start to learn what, what works and what doesn't work. You're like, you can talk to somebody in an interview and be like, Oh, that job isn't exact. Like they left out two pages of the job after they told me about it. And I don't think I want that job anymore. Or you meet with the head of the, the, the organization or the head of the department and they're like a butthole and you're like, Oh, I would be working for you. Like this job sounds great, but like it matters who you work with and who you work for. I, sometimes we wish it doesn't, you didn't matter, but it does. So when you show up as yourself and you, you get better at that over time, and you start to think like, I've got to be able to show up as myself. How do I do that? It's hard. Don't get me wrong, because there's a risk that you take in showing up as yourself. And although it shouldn't be, but like, you know, as a hiring manager, we pretend we want somebody who's going to be polished and all together. Some, like for those of us, especially in student affairs and higher ed who are in hiring manager positions outside of education, like we know that people are messy sometimes. Um, yeah, we're expecting a level of polish when you come in for the interview, but we also want to hire a real person who's going to be a real colleague, not this robotic thing that comes in and only does this type of work and doesn't actually engage with the workforce and whatnot. So, um, I cannot stress that enough about being who you are that you say on your cover letter and your resume and in the interview, because nobody wants to go through all that. And then a stranger shows up on the first day of work. Because you would probably be pretty salty if you went through this whole thing and they sold you a dream and delivered a nightmare. Would you not? I've certainly been in that position myself. I'm like, wait, I did not sign up for this. Like, what, what, what are we doing? And then that, that sparked a whole nother level of conversation about, you know, what, am I, what is the actual job? Because I've been duped here. Like, and I didn't like it. Um, so this is the longest episode I have done. I'm not even going to do my recommendations at the end. 
Um, but if you have questions, I, this probably was different than what you thought. You thought I was probably going to go through, like, these are the things you change on your resume to do that. But it's so much more than the resume. The resume is a piece of it. But if you don't have your mindset, um, like, in check and really ready to push yourself and dive into this process, it's going to be hard. It's going to feel challenging the whole time. And you're likely not going to be able to, tr you know, transform into um, or transition into another field. And it will take time. My process seemed to happen like lightning fast. I didn't even know it. Like I was damn near not even ready for it, but in terms of like how quickly it went, but sometimes it takes a long time. The things that are for you sometimes take a long time and you'll, you'll know it. You'll start to feel it. It will feel right. And it will feel mutual. It won't be like, do they like, like, do they like me? Is this a thing? But you've got to start to get more comfortable utilizing your networks, looking beyond just the, the position that's in front of you, um, challenging yourself to apply for jobs that you don't meet all of the qualifications for. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to get an automatic email that comes back and says, thank you, but we're, you know, we decided to move in a different direction, blah, blah, blah. Okay, then you, that's, you start to move on. Um, and this is one of the things I say, it's, it's, you start to develop a thicker skin when you see those emails, you know, you may get an attitude and say, like, I didn't want to work there anyway. And that's fine. Nobody's going to know that. But at least you're, you're, you're building your confidence around applying for positions, knowing that what is for you will actually show up for you when it's time. But you can do all of the, paper, the paperwork, but you're also a person that's got to figure out these things for themselves. So I think that's sometimes our barrier, um, especially as people who are a little more academic and a little more heady, like we want to get it right and we want to get it perfect. There is no such thing. Done well is better than done perfect. And you will learn and you will tweak and you will adjust for the positions that you're applying for. You may even surprise yourself and apply for things that you're like, I didn't even think I would, was interested in this, but once I learned more, okay. Um, because maybe, or you find something you're like, I actually don't want to do that. I want to do that because that, that, that looks more appealing, um, than what this sounds like on paper. So I hope this is helpful for folks. Again, I'm happy to talk like how to negotiate and things like that. Um, because there is money there. Don't let anybody tell you that even if it's a state organization, um, a state company, if you're working for the government, there is wiggle room. Um, I'm not saying hundred percent of the time is, but there likely is. If they're smart um, recruiters, they're not going to post like the full range in the top of the position, which gives them some wriggle room on the back end. So if they're smart, they're doing that. Um, but it never hurts to ask. You lose, you lose nothing by asking, and they are not going to rescind the offer because you try to negotiate. I think that's a lot of our fear. Like, what if they rescind the offer? When in the history has that happened? Has that ever happened to you? Probably not. For two reasons. Number one, it doesn't happen. And number two, you probably didn't negotiate in the first place. So then it, it couldn't happen. But slide in my DMs. Let me know what other questions you have. I hope this was helpful. And I hope that, I hope that it gets folks to kind of move beyond the hump. It is the resume, but it's so much more than the resume. It is a mindset. It is a willingness and ability to take a chance on yourself. And you grow with that over time. So Woo, this is a long one. No recommendations this week, but I am excited to come back next week because I have a super good episode prepared. I'm preparing it now. Um, but yeah, share, slide in my DMs. If you're listening, you know where to find me. If you want to rate, review, great. If you don't, I'm still going to be here next week. So y'all take care. Bye. <laughs>